Hey, Sona, do you settle for ordinary in your own home? No. Well, you kind of do. Anyway, with oh. floor and decor, <laughs> you don't have to put up with rooms that just look meh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Meh is kind of a meh. phrase these days. Floor and decor doesn't just have a couple of aisles of options. It's an entire store with the largest selection of tile, wood, and stone in stock and available in job lot quantities. Mm. That's what I need, job lot quantities. And if you're a pro like me, Floor and Decor also has a job site delivery, along with all the brands pros trust for installation. There's also design experts in the store to help you find the right look at the right price. And guess what? It's free. That's my favorite price. Free is the best price, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Unless it's for food. And then I'm like, oh, I'm about to pay a little. No, I like free food, too. Well, it can be scary. Anyway, uh, we got off track. You can resist the ordinary and find more ways to wow with Floor and Decor. I'd like to shout out the biggest villain I know. It's the person that talks during the movie. Oh, that Makes, guy sucks. I hate that guy. And guess what? It's often me. Oh, anyway, no. And you know what? If I could talk to that guy, I'd say, how do you sleep at night? That's what I would say to this scourge of a person. <laughs> but I know what the answer already. I know the answer. Mattress Firm. Mattress mm. Firm has quality mattresses at every price for your best rest. Yes, even those who don't deserve to rest, like that person who talks during the movie, even they can get the bed that will make it happen from Mattress Firm. See a lower price at another retailer? Ha! Mattress Firm will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night, even if you're a bad person. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or stores for details. Hi, my name is Jane Lynch. And I feel chosen and honored about being Conan O'Brien's friend. You know what? You just messed up my last name, Jane. I know. I've been in this business for 28 years, and you called me Conan O'Brien. And I'm Irish, too. I should know how to say that. That indicates to me that this doesn't mean that much to you. It actually does. You know, I'm friends with people I don't even like. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I am the aforementioned Conan O'Brien. I really do need a friend. That is not a joke, uh, but thrilled to be here today with uh, our stalwart producer, Matt Gorley. Matt, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Conan? I'm doing very well. And of course, the woman of the hour, Sona oh. Movsesian. How are you, Sona? I'm fine. Can I ask you a question? Uh, we revealed big news on the mm -hmm. podcast, which is that you are pregnant with twins. Yeah. You talked about it on the podcast. Has anyone heard about it through the podcast who didn't know in your immediate circle? Or did you manage to get to everyone first? Because I would think that would be socially awkward if, say, your mom heard it on the podcast, <laughs> but you hadn't told her. Or Tack. Yeah, or your husband, Tack. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving on the freeway, listening to the butt catching up. What? And he drives into a barn. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, there were a few people we forgot to tell. And that's how we found <laughs> out, was they, they texted us and they're like, you're pregnant? With twins? And you didn't tell us? Well, this is a good way to find out who listens to the podcast. I know. Who really listens. Well, and also, I mean, they listen because they're 
they're my friends and they care about me. Also, I guess they're fans of Conan, whatever. Yeah, right? let's get some, I'm sorry. Let's do a quick correction there. No. <laughs> they can call you anytime, but if they want the pure liquid comedy gold, they've got to come to the fountain of what? said gold, Conan O'Brien. Uh, and you play a part. You're there with your ladle and um, and Gorley, you're there with your little cup to get some of the liquid gold and splash it around. But Just a little thimble. A little thimble. But uh, that's why your friends are tuning in. You think my friends are tuning in because of you instead of me? Yes. I think they can talk to you anytime. But they're like, oh my God, is he on that podcast with you? My God. God, God, God. And then they listen. And then they hear you too. And then they find out that you're pregnant. And they call you. Anyway, that was- this is fun. Brief look into my mind. Yep. Sona. How's it all going? Uh, how's your mom handling this news? She uh, has been waiting. I mean, I've known you for many years, and for years she wanted you to get married. I mean, to the point where it was like, just anybody, you know? Um, okay, calm down. It wasn't that bad. It was just, she, you know, she was getting a little restless, but she wasn't like, anything you bring home, just marry it. You and I did a segment in Armenia where I took you to a woman who matched Armenian men with women. Did you not? Yes, we and did. And you seriously considered some of those men, and many of them were no, in their- No, I didn't! They were in their 60s. Oh my God. <laughs> they were all like, and also I think that they, I think matchmaking is, is looked down upon in Armenia. And so they had all either gone to prison. Yes. Or they had like five kids. You can l- probably look up this segment online, but I took Sona to this little house in Armenia in, uh, and this woman- was showing you people. And every time, we, and she'd show us a picture and it was um, this guy who maybe was, I want to say conservatively 65 or 70 <laughs> yes. and looked like he'd been in a fight and lost <laughs> multiple times. And then she would say, "I like this guy's good, this guy's good. Now there is a problem. She would always say there is a problem. And we would go, what? And then they would. she would talk about he was in prison. <laughs> For what? Well, this is the best part. We, I have followed up and I said, in prison for what? And she said, I can't remember. He was eating with somebody and they had an argument and he stabbed him with his fork. And I'm looking at this guy who looks like a pirate long after the ship went down. And, uh, and he stabbed someone at a meal who was his friend. So watch what you say uh, <laughs> at the wedding dinner to this guy. Oh so anyway, God. no, I, I'm, I, I jest, but you married this, uh, the perfect guy, Tack. Yeah, I can I never did. remember his last name, so I just add an easy into his first name, which is Tack Tachesian. Yes, it's, which is not his name, but yeah, Tack no, Yeah, Tachesian. That's not how Armenian names work. You don't just add an Ian at the end of their first name. Well, they all have an Ian at the end of their last name, right? They, they do, but it's not I'm like- I'm suggesting to the Armenian people- Lose the middleman, just add an E-N to the back of your first name. So it's Taktikesian. It doesn't make sense. I'd be Conan Koninian. Yeah, you could pass for Armenian. I could be an Armenian man <laughs> who's very ill. It's <laughs> very ill. <laughs> and then I go on that website that that woman has. And uh, <laughs> there's one problem, one problem with Conan Conanian. What's that? Very sick. Very, very sick Armenian man. Is he alive? Barely. He's barely alive. In this photo, he's actually been stapled to the wall so that it looks like he can stand on his own. 
Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad the word's getting out. We're all yes. very excited. And very. that will be something that we talk about on the podcast uh, in real time. You know, the choosing yeah. of the names. I'm sure that's going to be something. Yeah, we'll be voting on that, right? Yeah, the listeners yeah. will decide. What are some suggestions? Don't say Conan and Matt. Okay, Matt and Conan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, that one works. Wow, it's exciting. Is, is there pressure on you to name one of these children after someone in your family? I'd like to. I, you know, I love my dad, but his name is, we all call him Gil, but his full name is Gilbank. Yeah, you can love your dad, but <laughs> then there's Come a limit. On. Oh, Gilbank. <laughs> so his name is Gilbank, Gilbankanian? That's not how the names work. It's just well, we've Gilbank established that it's the way the names should work. And okay. Anyway, no, it's not going to be Gilbank. We'll no. figure it out. I'll, I'm on. I'm on it. I'm going to get you two great names. He, he knows stay, a guy. Stay tuned. I know, I know a guy. Do. I know a guy. He <laughs> sells names out of the back of a van. Yeah, he's got some great names. Where do you think my dad got Conan? <laughs> hey, hey, Doc, Doc, you want a name? You want Conan? No one will believe it. He'll probably do something great with it. What if you just name one of them Ian, and then you've got that Armenian yes! suffix just built in? Ian, Ianian. <laughs> it's Ian, Ian, Ian. It's just not Ian, Ian. All right. Listen, this podcast, this we need so to, we, we need, it needs heavy editing. Yeah. And yes. uh, I think we lost our way quite a while ago. Yeah. But <sighs> congratulations, Sona. Very happy for you. Thanks. And we'll check in in real time. Very excited. And very excited for the live podcast we are going to do as Sona gives birth. Very yeah. excited about that. Very excited about that. It's going to be an engineering feat. Yes, we got already got a lot of special sponsors for that one. So yeah, okay, it's uh, going to be very exciting. It's going to be nice. Not happening. Yeah, all done. No contractual obligation. Have to do it. No way. What? Have to. I didn't sign a contract. Yes, you did. Michelle Obama's coming back. Yep. (laughs) Michelle Obama's going to be there. (laughs) The live birth. Do commentary for the live birth. What a great use of her time. (laughs) 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 Mrs. Obama. Yes, I know you're busy. But we have an ask from the Conan people. <laughs> Conan O'Brien, the host. Yes. He's got a pod. Yes, you've done it. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, they want you present at the- <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I'm sure that's a yes. I'm so certain of it. All right. Well, we should get started. We have such a fantastic show today. Love our guest. My guest today, uh, of course, an Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning actress who starred as Sue Sylvester in the Fox series Glee. You also know her from such movies as Best in Show and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Now she's the host of Weakest Link on NBC. I adore her. I'm thrilled she's with us today. Jane Lynch, welcome. It's like a trophy on my mantle that people want to be my friend. I have chosen you, but to be perfectly honest, I also chose... I think, how many of these have I done so far? <laughs> like three seasons with 36 episodes each. I don't care. You don't care at all. I don't care. I, I just hope it, it lasts uh, past this podcast and I have a feeling it won't. It, listen, <laughs> if it did, you would be the first. Because what I have found, and that's not my choice, I, I want to have friends. Mm-hmm. I have found that a lot of people are very hot to trot to use a saying that's out there with the kids right now. Oh, yeah. When I'm actually talking to them on the podcast, 
And then when it's over, it's dead. They drop the mic and they move on. Yeah, yeah. There's no loyalty. There's yeah. There's no. There's no staying connection. And so I have hopes for you uh, <laughs> because, uh, as you know, I've I've interviewed you many times. I've seen you socially. I've come to your house when you asked me not to. Um, <laughs> I am, and I've been a fan of yours for so so long. You are mind-bogglingly funny. I'm going back to your first appearances on, you know, Two and a Half Men. And I know that you had been a working actor for a long time, but when you were playing the therapist on that show, anytime I would see you on camera, I would think, oh my God, she's funny. And this is before I got to know you at all. Oh, well, thank but, you. That's really nice for you to say. Well, it's true. It's and I true. hope you mean it. Um, I'm reading off something I wrote on my hand a while ago. <laughs> I say that to all my guests. It's been three and a half seasons, and I've and I, I say to everyone, I loved you on Two and a Half Men. And you know what? Eighty five percent of the time, it works because so many people have <laughs> walked through that show. No, seriously, you have. Uh, I think you have one of the best deadpans in comedy. When you when well, you are staring you. someone down, uh, it is absolutely uh, incredible. And then you know, just uh, again, as as. I talked to you about this once, but maybe the hardest I've laughed at a at a television character in 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 a long time was when you showed up as Sue Sylvester on Glee. Oh, thank you. It was certainly a, an absolute joy to do, you know. Um, and uh, it was one of those things where the 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 guy who wrote it, uh, Ian Brennan, is basically it was Sue Sylvester was his brainchild, and we're both from the from Chicago, and we're mm-hmm. both from these Irish Catholic families. And I think there was something there's a, a, a real dark side that we don't that you don't necessarily associate with the kind of the Irish, and um, but but we kind of shared that. <laughs> yes. Well, guess what? I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I bet you do, Conan O'Brien. Which O'Bine. is there. <laughs> There's a, um, and I didn't know this. I didn't know that you are truly. I mean, your grandmother uh, emigrated from Ireland, and grandfather, and yeah. grandfather. You know, my people came over. We were the only Irish immigrants that got here before the Pilgrims. We got here. <laughs> we had to carry. We had to carry their bags, meet the boat, yeah, and carry was, their bags off the I was boat. Say someone had to cook them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then come on in. Here you go. All right, right this way. That's Plymouth Rock right there. Uh, but you. You, so you've got that hardcore Irish thing, which I know darkness comes, there's there's darkness in there. And that's what I associate. It's a very uh, Irish treat, a treat, treat. It's a trait. It's not really a treat. treat. It's the farthest thing from a it's, treat. It's not you a can, treat of a trait. It's a horrible treat. <laughs> it's a horrible treat. <laughs> uh, Freudian slip. It really is a treat <laughs> to watch others suffer. Um, but I'm thinking of the time, Sue Sylvester, I, I can't remember the context you kind of, there was an episode fairly early on where you let your freak flag fly. Your character decided to just let it go and you put on a zoot suit and did a yes. crazy dance. <laughs> I can't remember what the context was, but it was one of the funniest things I had yeah. seen. And it I was Sue's- trying to turn on my boyfriend, the guy who was the, the, the <laughs> local uh, news guy. Yes, and yes. We, and we played Battleship together and then I found out that he really loved, he, he loved like uh, 50s, you know, a music, uh, kind of like right, the jazzy, right. bluesy stuff, and so she she put on a zoot suit trying to turn him on, and it didn't work. And she did this, ins- you did this insane dance in a zoot suit, and it yeah. was so great because <laughs> Sue Sylvester, who's kind of an invulnerable character, talk about armor, 
And you yes. had decided to just put it all out there. And yes. it was it was just a complete miss. In any way someone who is completely defended would do it. You know, having no absolutely no sense of, of how to actually be vulnerable that you 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 know, you're kind of basically walking around almost nude yeah. with absolutely no protection. Yes. My glee story that involves Sona. We were in another part of the world far away. Were we in India, Sona? We were at, in Dubai. In Dubai. Oh, wow. We yeah. were in Dubai together, and I was, uh, I think I was working for the military at the time. And, <laughs> that, um, that wasn't it, no. Military no. intelligence, yeah. So Sona was with me, and we're flying back, and I'm, and I'm looking out the window, as I do, and I'm checking the map to see where we are, and I see that we're crossing the Russian steppes. And then I see that we're crossing this town, Ekaktienburg, which is where the czar's family, the czar and his family were murdered. Oy. And um, I mean, we're like, we're like, whatever, 30,000 feet above it. You can't really see anything. But I'm like, Sona, Sona, get over here. Look out the window. <laughs> and Sona, look out the window. We're, we're over Russia. Look down there as Ekaktienburg. And Sona was wrapped up practically with a blanket over her head. And she had missed the entire f- like first, she'd missed all the excitement about Glee. So she was binge watching the whole thing yeah. and howling. And I said, push pause. And she's like, no, I'm watching Glee. And I said, Sona, we're crossing the Russian, the Russian steps. This is the Russian steps. This is historic. Down there's a Katkenberg. She's like, I'm watching Glee. Go away. And like put the blanket back over her head. Yep. I think I made the right decision. I think you did too. Yeah. yeah. Russia smusha. Uh, yeah, really. That's some dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I um, the anger of Sue Sylvester, I know, and I am not an actor and I, I don't pretend to know anything about acting, but I know that has to come from somewhere. Yeah. The, like that seething rage. And um, uh, I mean, I definitely, that's just, you scratch the surface of me and you you will find that seething rage. It's, it's, it's in there. And, and I'd love to be able to- uh, access that and throw a tracksuit on it, which was basically her armor. You know, it was like her uniform. Right. And, um, you know, she lived in her own action hero movie that she narrated in her own head mm. about how she was victimized and wronged and she was out to save the world. She would have been storming that capital on yes, January Yes, that's 6th. what I was actually <laughs> thinking about, is that everything, no. you're, des- everything you're describing- Zip ties. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> in, in full camo tracksuit. Right. She went on, this is all- you know, because uh, Stu Sylvester would be very uh, comfortable in a world where people live through their own false narrative. And Absolutely. that would be for you. And she would have found a lot of people to line up with the narrative. Absolutely. And she would be, you know, be carrying the, the Trump Pence flag, beating the hell out of cops. So here's the question, because you are, I know you to be a very lovely person. Where does this anger come from? And, and I ask because- I, I grew up in a nice place and I was surrounded by nice people and uh, mm-hmm. I had enough to eat. And I remember just being very angry as a young man and thinking, why am I it's so crazy. mad? Why, why are you so angry what about? was I yeah. so mad about? What were you yeah. mad about? You know, that's so funny. It feels like it's so far away, but I mean, I devoted the first four or five years of therapy working through this. And even my therapist said, I don't know where this is coming from because <laughs> I had this, these really great parents who loved me. And um, we, it, it, 
you know, there, there was really no reason for it, but I had like this whole thing about how it was basically about rules. I actually did a character. I did a monologue in therapy. She said, come back, write that down, called The Angry Lady. And it was about how people don't follow rules. You know, when you, when you, when you're driving, you should, you should indicate your intention to turn and some people don't and it drives me mad. It was about following rules. And like, we all agree on these, these rules and we need to all abide by them. We have laws for a reason. I mean, I went nuts about that stuff. It's so funny that your therapist said, I want you to come back and act out basically a one woman show. (laughs) And and you're this known, talented, famous. I wasn't. no, no, no. I mean, she knew I was an actor, but I was, but I wasn't that. In fact, that character, the angry lady, I ended up doing a one person show like everybody was doing in the, the, the uh, late nineties. And, um, she was my, uh, one of my characters throughout the show was the angry lady. And she wore a neck brace and had an eye patch because she was always hurting herself. She was always suing the hell out of someone. <laughs> and she spoke like this. She spoke like this. <laughs> and I came on to Ride of the Valkyries was the music. <laughs> that is fantastic. And I know uh, you have the distinction, uh, I know this is high on your resume, of knowing Andy Richter before I did. I met Andy... You know, I mean, man, it's coming up on 30 years ago when I yeah. was looking oh, for- is it that long? My what's God. 28 years, I think. Because His, he wasn't a writer. At, I mean, because I, I knew him then. He was just kind of a kind of cynical guy who was doing comedy every now and again and wanted, I think he wanted to be an actor. And, yes. Uh, we had, a, but we had, you know, a lot of fun together doing our little crazy stuff in Chicago, but I didn't know him as a writer and I know he was hired as a writer for Well, you know, show. it's so funny because we, we didn't have a budget for- a sidekick or anything. So, and we, I didn't even know that we were, I was going to have one, but I was looking for writers. Mm-hmm. And so I met with Andy and we sat together in this diner here in LA. He ordered this big bowl of borscht in the summer, <laughs> in the summertime, which I thought, right, I was course. like, what is going on? Why is he, who eats beet soup uh, in the valley <laughs> in the summer? And um, he just immediately, I clicked with him and I thought, oh, this, I love this guy and he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I told Robert Smigel, who was the head writer, we've got to hire this guy, Andy. And he went, well, no, we've got to, he's got to submit a packet. (laughs) And and I was kind of saying, no, 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 no. We just have to hire him. And I'm sure he'll, so, but he, Andy did have to submit a packet. And I remembered reading it for like two seconds and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Submitted a packet. Let's hire him. (laughs) So, uh, and then one thing led to another, but you you guys did a stage production of- The Real Live Brady Bunch. Real Live Brady Bunch. I remember- I was a writer on The Simpsons, and everyone in the writer's room was saying, you've got to go see this real-life Brady oh, Bunch. Really? It's hilarious. Oh, cool. it was Yeah, we were it, at the Westwood. You were at the Westwood. Westwood you guys Christmas. had done it, started it in Chicago, and then you brought right. it to L.A., and it became a thing. And, of course, I'm this you know 28-year-old bachelor at the time. Uh, constantly, I mean, a, a different different woman every night, I suppose. <laughs> different lady. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So there was no time for me to go and check the show of course out. Not. I was hitting. I was in the clubs. Yeah, of course you were. Um, uh, I'm. You know what? It's a miracle I'm alive. It's a miracle I'm alive. But so I regret not seeing the show. But everybody said it was. Uh, it was fantastic. People still talk about that show. 
Um, it was madness. It was messy and crazy. And and we took that beautiful Westwood Theater, which is now the Geffen, um, and we ripped out all the seats and we put ratty couches in there and you could drink. I, I don't know if you could, I bet you could smoke. Well, everywhere else we had done it, you could, you could drink and smoke. But we turned it into just this, we destroyed that theater, but it was really, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was just crazy and off the charts. I'm thinking that I, other than seeing you occasionally in, t- in, in television things and really liking you, what really turned everything around was you met Chris Guest and he yes. started, he made you part of his troupe. And yes. I got to think, first of all, how did you meet Chris Guest? I, I, I did a commercial while I was, I mean, I was doing a lot of commercials while I was in Los Angeles in the late um, 90s. You know, I was auditioning a lot. Let's put it that way. And he uh, cast me in a, a Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial where we, you know, we, we improvised very much like what Guffman was. And now Guffman was this preposterous fantasy that I would get to do something like that. So meeting him, seeing that he was the com- uh, the director of that commercial at the callback, just, oh, just, oh, I was so excited. And um um, so we uh, we did that commercial, and then he he said to me afterwards, you know, I, oh, I do uh, movies. Maybe we'll do a movie sometime. And I was like, yeah, I know you do movies, and I would love that. And then we ran into each other at a restaurant when he was casting Best in Show, and um, he was getting pancakes. I was getting pancakes. He was getting a, a muffin. <laughs> and, um, uh, I went it's to so his funny up- how I I do the same thing. I just said Andy Richter had borscht. Now that's almost 30 years ago. You remember that you were getting pancakes and he was getting a muffin. It's yes. I always remember that stuff. Me too. It's always look at my light went out. Sorry. Um, I do too. What, and also what people were wearing. Um, and I could tell you he was in a track suit, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. He had Here's just a, worked out. A comedy insider thing that people don't know about Chris Guest is that he's mm-hmm. this brilliantly funny guy. Yes. And he has made so many iconic films and so many people know him, you know, say from Spinal Tap, you know, right. or as as uh, his character in Waiting for Guffman. And when you meet him, he is the most low-key person, yeah. almost like a butler. He's very, yes. you know what I mean? Like the butler from Arthur, you know, just very... John yes. Gilgood. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's it, it, you know, he was always really nice to me. But I have seen people go up to him and go, "Hi, nice to meet you." And he just shuts it down so hard. Yes. He's it's oh, it's it's like hard to watch. I did a show <laughs> at the comedy at, at the Aspen Comedy Festival once and I think I was out there with Jim Carrey interviewing him and it was raucous and it was I don't know, this was in the early 2000s and it's just incredible energy or late 90s and it was just this in, this incredible energy in the room and just and I remember the thing was over and I was like, you know, thanks Jim Carrey everybody. Good night everybody and I walk off stage and there's a lot of just energy and cheering and the first face I see is Chris Guest cuz he had been <laughs> in the audience and he had walked backstage and he and I went, "Hey, you know, Chris, and you know when you have that energy, you expect someone to hug you and go, to "Man, yeah. you nailed it." And he just went, <laughs> "Hello, Conan." <laughs> I'm in Aspen as well, and I hope you enjoy your time. Good day to you. And then I moved away, and it wasn't – I mean, he's always been very nice to me, and he wasn't being mean. His energy just – he refuses to raise his energy no, knob. he won't do it. If you went to his door and knocked on the door and said, I have a giant check here – Christopher Guest, you have randomly been sh- you just won a billion dollars in this completely random sweepstakes, and people were shooting confetti and everything. Chris Guest would say, "Well, that's uh, the check can go over there, I suppose." Just, just leave it <laughs> the it's it's rather large, but it's rather uh, large, I suppose. We will find a place. For check it. is more of a prop, I suppose. <laughs> actual money will be wired into my account. 
but I wish you well. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. quite, but the, the brilliant thing is that obviously he, he saw you and, and, and saw what you could do. And then, so you're in. The first one was best in show. Best in show. Yeah. And then uh, are you in a mighty wind as well? I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. With John Michael Higgins. That's right. New, that's um, right. Uh, the Christie minstrels, uh, new, new main street singer. Yeah. Your character, I remember had a <laughs> fascinating backstory. Yeah. She was a porn star. Former <laughs> yes. porn star. A former porn star turned, you know, very clean kind of up with people, Christiany, um, uh, 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 folk, folk band. Yeah. Yes. That probably happens. Yeah. Oh, all the, I'm sure it does more often than we know. Yes. We've all yes. done porn. Uh, <laughs> we all. <laughs> absolutely. Another reason I couldn't make it to your show <laughs> As, <laughs> uh, at the now Geffen Theater. Um, and then of course, Judd Apatow comes along and it's interesting because, you know, he casts you in 40 year old virgin and you're working in that Best Buy, you have so many memorable moments in that movie. And you have that magical thing where I don't know what your total screen time is, but you made every second of it count. Like oh, literally every second you. of it count. You know, that kind of like it is every time you're on screen, it's uh, dense with with good comedy sauce. Oh, well, thank you so much. It, it was, you know, that was one of the most fun things to shoot, too, because when we shot in the store, uh, the, the the Circuit City type store, um, there were like maybe, say, two or three weeks where we shot in there. And he called everybody in, even if you weren't on uh, in, in the script, in the um, in the scene. So he would just, you know, like a, a good coach, he'd like pull you into the game. So it was really fun. Yeah, Judd has this, and and I I imagine we're talking about Chris Gass, and then we're talking about Judd Apatow, and these are two people that rely on improvisational actors and finding that natural good rhythm. But they're Mm -hmm. also quite different because what Judd is known for, and I've heard this from so many people, is he practically has, you think of it as like a bench in yes. an NBA game, yeah, and he, he gets these off. incredibly talented people sitting there, and so you're not necessarily even in the scene, but then he might just say, "Jane, jump in." Exactly. And yeah. tell me what that's like. Well, um, I got thrown into one scene, and I knew I wanted to do that uh, Guatemalan love song yeah, thing. Oh, I, we have I, to I, please I, talk about that. Please yeah, talk I, about I, that. I thought I thought of that while sitting around on the bench, and and I thought if I get an opportunity to go in there, and so I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do it. Um, but I saw, you know, when he said Jane, get in there, I thought, well, I'm going to going to give it a try. And um, I did say to Steve Carell, I said, I, I might. I might sing something. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. But that, so that's what it turned out to be is that you're kind of sitting around and you're hanging out with really funny people and you're, you know, you get inspired and that's where, you know, you know, like that idea came and, and, um, you know, he throws you in a scene with Seth Rogen and, you know, it's just the greatest thing in the world because, you know, according to this, the script, we didn't really have any interaction, you know, and then we get to get to do stuff. So he's he's really smart that way. He, he And he shot a lot, too, the way Chris does, too. Chris always shoots a lot of film, but Judge shoots tons of film. You know, he just keeps going and going and going. Chris Guest and Judd Apatow know how to use improv. And yes. I think what happened is I think a lot of people saw, um, especially in the last decade or so, they saw Judd's work and they said, oh, I get it. I can do that, yeah. What you do mm-hmm. is you get people to just improvise and and that's what kids like, let's do that. And so what happened is I saw a lot of people who weren't Judd and certainly not Chris Guest make these mm-hmm. movies and I could see 
everyone was improvising. Uh, maybe improv was not their background, <laughs> but there was a lot of, yeah, well, okay, let's, wow, if you call that a dog, yeah, it looks more like a cat that had a haircut. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, and, and, and they'd put a lot of that, that's actually, I mean, that was me just making something up. And of course, because of my <laughs> abilities, it was very, very good. It wasn't good. very good. It wasn't compelling. Oh, no, no, no. I was going with it was very good. Where were you going, Jane? Oh, sorry. No, you were right. That was just really off the top of your head and brilliant. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think what happens my podcast, uh, with yeah. that is that you put the you put the cart before the horse and you, um, and you don't have a story. You don't have defined characters with character arcs and you just kind of throw people out there. Yeah, just you know, play it loose. And right. uh, I think you, you have to have that. Like when Chris and I know Judd does this too, they, as they're watching, um, you know, the day unfold, they're thinking in their mind how, oh, how they'll edit this. You know, oh, yes. I, I have an idea. They they know the story that they're trying to tell and they know the arc of the characters. And, um, and so they always start from there as opposed to just say whatever comes to the top of your head. Right. And that's what I think happened is I, I started seeing a lot of movies where people were just shooting the shit yeah. uh, on a mo- on a giant movie screen and I paid $20, for, right. you know, and I'm, just, I'm, I was like, no, 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 no. This has to be done correctly. It has, it has to be used just right because mm-hmm. it can be misused so easily. I um, always liken it to jazz, you know, really great uh, jazz um, players. You know, they know they play, they know their instruments, they know the scales, they, they understand how songs work. And once you've got that, you know, kind of you're in a, you've built a little musical prison, technical prison for yourself, then you can go outside yes. of it. Then yeah. you have the right and the, and the privilege of, of, um, of riffing. But before you know the dynamics and the, 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 it technically what you're doing, um, you, you shouldn't be improvising. So much about improv and being funny to me mm-hmm. is watching you in a structure and they put you and Seth Rogen and Steve Carell, you put these very talented people, but you're in a structure, in a story right. where you do have to care about Steve Carell and his journey. Right. And then you watch you guys playing around on that structure and occasionally bending one of the bars or slamming yeah. up against the side and maybe poking an arm through, but yeah. that's the fun. That makes it yes. feel like that's where the real magic is, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I always say I, b- I like to build myself a little cage, a little comedy cage, and then I bounce around freely within that. Yes. And like you said, every once in a while an arm gets out or you you, you bend a bar. That's what I tell my writers. exactly for, what you just said. Well, for years, for years <laughs> I would claim tell- it is my own. For years I would tell my writers, build me a jungle gym and then people will see me playing on it and that'll right. be, uh, and for many years they built me an actual jungle gym, which was a huge- <laughs> Uh, awesome. and, they, and they didn't know what they were doing, and I would get hurt. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. up to, uh, wasn't well built. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think too that kind of is what draws people, uh, you know, um, erroneously to want to do this because it looks like you're having fun. Yeah. And it looks like you're playing, but it's um, it's very well crafted play. Yes. And um, the audience uh, should never feel like. Oh my God! What are they going to do next? In a bad way, right? You know, they should be delighted. Well, they and, feel comfortable. And, they know they feel that. comfortable. Absolutely, that's the difference between a really good stand-up and someone who hasn't really laid the foundation of their point of view and what and you know how they're presenting it. No, I think the first two years I was on on the air, people would tune in to see is this the episode where he starts crying? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and once I got past that point, yeah. that was okay. But yeah. um, the audience felt comfortable. Yes. No, I think the whole time you were you were. 
great. <laughs> Honest to God, I don't know how you felt, but I thought you were great. <laughs> You know, Scotty's cares about the environment and has strong values they stand behind. Plus, Scotty's facial tissues are super soft, strong, and absorbent, and easy on the wallet. Whether you've got allergies or just a case of the sniffles, stock up on Scotty's facial tissues so you can stop wiping your nose on your sleeve. Isn't that disgusting when people do that, Sona? I just don't like that. No, I don't like it either. I'll like, I like to wipe my nose on your sleeve, oh, but that's... not my sleeve. Yeah. Well, my sleeve is made of Scotty's tissues, so that's a... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. That's a very cool fashion statement. <laughs> hey, and stop offering guests toilet paper to blow their nose into. That's disgusting. Hand them a Scotty's facial tissue. Instead, you can find Scotty's facial tissues that come in beautiful box designs, Put one in every room. Why not make your guest feel like a king or queen? Hmm. If someone offers me a tissue, sometimes people say to me, Conan, would you like a tissue? I say, is it Scotty's? And if it's not, I just swat it away. Oh, okay. Scotty's is better at what counts. For more information, visit scottysfacial.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Do 
there's something about, and this is another place where I think we could maybe connect or have uh, a discussion, mm-hmm. is tall people. You are very tall and a, a, a very tall, slender person. And I've always found, and and I think I am, well, I, I am, I am tall as well. And I, I was like, uh, I don't know about, you know. Slender goes in and out, especially during COVID. I've put on my slender goes in and out too. So. But I've always thought there's kind of a I, I know I, I I think about John Cleese. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a tall person kind of comedy. There sure where, is. And and you I you know at, in all the different roles you've played, you're very aware of your height and you use it so well. I don't know what it is. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about Yeah, I do. And I, Dick comedy? Van Dyke was was somebody too. Dick Van Dyke um has a a, a, a very gangly kind of mm-hmm. but it, he's quite uh, elegant too yes. at the same time. Um do you remember Eve Arden? Yes. The, yes, she was very tall as well and if you look back at her stuff, you know, she was basically head and shoulders over the other ladies in the scenes and uh she just had a way that she moved that was just it was so beautiful and lanky and funny, you know, and so I I I uh, maybe emulated that on some level, but I remember you know, watching her and just thinking that she was physically so funny. Guys like being tall for the most part. Right. Women have told me over the years when I've interviewed them what they hated it when they were younger. I don't know. Yeah. There were times when I, I wished I weren't as tall, but for the most part, no, I didn't. And my mother was great about it too. She was tall. So she grew up tall and she, her mother used to tell her to, to bend over and not look so tall. So my mom was very um, instilled, you know, not necessarily pride, but just you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't have much. And also, you know, I'm gay, so I didn't care if I Wait was taller than Wait a minute. Can you guys. go back? Hold What's on going just on? a second. <laughs> Am on. I breaking news here? <laughs> <laughs> Who okayed this booking? <laughs> now you listen to me. This is a certain kind of podcast <laughs> with certain values, if you know what I mean. I do. Uh, I do. Well, anyway. But I didn't care about what guys thought. And it wasn't like, you know, I just didn't... In, I don't know. And sometimes guys treated me kind of like a fellow guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have what I'm sure a lot of women have about being tall. You, I know you talked about this uh, in your book, but uh, did you know, you know, when did you know, oh, okay, some, my, uh, I'm gay? Did, when, yeah. when were you aware of that? Uh, oh boy. Pro- I mean, where, where I started to go, oh my God. Was it during I mean, this I- interview? Did yes, that- it was about seven minutes ago. <laughs> More people have uh, awakened sexually uh, on my podcast. <laughs> Your podcast. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's incredible. Bruce Springsteen. Many, I, I talked yeah. to him a couple of months ago and, you know, uh, that it's not his name anymore. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, so when did you, how did you wrestle with all of that? Oh, it was a, you know, it was a terrible, uh, revelation. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was about 12 or 13, I learned what the word gay meant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm the girl version of that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I remember saying to myself, like, even in college, you know, no one will ever know. No, cause my crushes were becoming undeniable. Yeah. I was not having crushes on guys. I was having crushes on girls. And, uh, I remember, you know, kind of on some level saying to myself, no one will ever know. You just, you cannot, no one can ever know. Mm. And, um, that makes me sad. That's too bad. I just- it is too bad. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's all right. It's all right. You know, I, I think it's given me, you know, compassion for what kids have to go through who who don't, you know, live on the coasts or um, uh, and and grow up in, um, um, you know, in, in not friendly 
places and that, you know, they still exist, as you know. Yes. That that makes me really sad for kids. But, uh, you know, being in the theater, it's just teeming with the gays. So I was uh, very much one of many um, in, in theater and people didn't care about it, you know. So um, that was a good place to come of age in my 20s was that I was in the theater and with a bunch of people, who you know, couldn't care less. I was always amazed, impressed that there's something about the human spirit. People, for the most part, will find a way to get to where they need to be. Yeah. And um, I think often, you, you know, I'm talking about Sona. Uh, for years and years and years, uh, one of my favorite people that worked on our show and, and has since uh, retired is uh, Bruce Brummage, who, you know, I would talk to him about his story and he grew up uh, in West Virginia and he grew up, you know, I think in the 1950s in West oh, Virginia wow. yeah. and uh, gay and very different. And I just used to think about, I don't know how he did it, but you can only imagine how difficult that would be. And mm-hmm. he found his way to New York City And he found his way to the theater and he found his way into working in this thing that he loved. And then he found his way to, uh, you know, our show. And I always thought it, what a miraculous thing that people somehow, there's something in us that says, okay, this is where I got to be. And, you know, I have to get to the theater, I have to get to where people are making funny stuff and I have yeah. to be in that room with them. Yep. And I don't know how I'm going to get there, but God damn it, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Yeah. yeah. No, when I, uh, I remember the It Gets Better, the Dan Savage program where people talked about, it was basically for kids who, um, you know, are having a really hard time of it in places like West Virginia, like yep. uh, growing up there, uh, that it gets better and you find your people. You, 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 you become, uh, uh, you know, compelled to find your people and you go where the love is. And um, I'm glad that, you know, New York is still that place for people, uh, Los Angeles, any place where there's a theater community or, mm-hmm. but if, you know, and if, if you're, you're driven to be in the theater, that's really a great thing because you're going to find your people. But, you know, what if you want to be an accountant? <laughs> right, right, right. How hard well, is that? Well, guess what? They need, uh, you know, look, Broadway desperately needs accountants. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. There are tons <laughs> of accountants in show business. There's Go where the love is, man. Now, despite all that, I'm told that you did have a crush on one boy. You had a crush on Ron Howard. I did. What era, Ron Howard? <laughs> happy Days, Ron Howard? No. Yes, Happy Days, Ron Howard. Absolutely. Um, I did. I He came to Chicago to promote Happy Days, and he was on WGN, the radio show, and I called in and I got to talk to him. And I was just thrilled, absolutely thrilled. And, um, you know, I used to dream about him. I used, and John Travolta too. I used to draw their faces. And I, I, I don't know why, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, uh, sexuality fluid, but, um, yeah, there was, and also there was something about Ronnie Howard that was very, uh, safe. He was yes. such a nice, he was a nice guy. Yeah. He would never ask you to, you know, to, right. to, to do anything sexual to him. He right, was a good right. boy. He is. And he is, uh, you know, over the years I've life. interviewed him many times, he's one of the least uh, uh, affected, nicest people you will meet in the business. Yeah. He really is that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got, was thrilled because I was some event a number of years ago, some kind of fancy event. And I got, you know, 
please, you're, this is your seat over there. You know, they separate, one of those events where they separate the wife and the husband. And, oh, um, yeah. oh my God, I'm sitting next to Ron Howard. And afterwards my wife said, what did you guys talk about? You guys were talking intently for two hours. And I said, you're not going to believe it, but sunblock. We <laughs> talked the whole time. Because <laughs> we're two were. redheaded, we're two pale <laughs> redheaded guys. And yes. I swear to God, he was like, you know, he was like, he gets intense. So he was saying, well, you know, zinc. And I said, no, 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 no. zinc's a fallacy. You don't want to have zinc in there. You, no, 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 no. Here's what you want to do. There's a French cream they make. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 I've tried that cream. And we were just going <laughs> and exchanging formulas. And it yeah. was, I thought, okay, you know, everyone I talked to afterwards was disappointed because they wanted to hear really cool Ron Howard stories. And all I came away with was, you know, there's this special chemical that they're working on in Iraq that might be of use. <laughs> yeah, nice guy. Nicest yeah. guy. But yeah. so um, I, I think it's sort of another gift that comes, and it, and it takes a while for it to come, but people know your rhythm and they know your talent and people just, that takes years and years and years to get. I, I felt that way about my marriage too. <laughs> this is, is going to be <laughs> yeah. a lot. That's how it felt anyway. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a grower. I'm yeah, a grower. I'm a gr- exactly. <laughs> well, okay. Well, clearly yeah. you've spoken to my doctor. You, uh, but you know um, I, I feel like um, uh, there's so much to be said for confidence. You know, that happens. Confidence breeds more confidence. Right. And um, I think that uh, once I started feeling successful, and not just in the level of the jobs that I get, but how I did in them, and um, showing up for a job wasn't was you know I showed up like this, like I'm going to show them what I've got. And after a while, you develop some confidence, and there's nothing more attractive to people, I think, than confidence. Yeah. You know, this kind of where you play down about yourself, and you know, I it, you, you kind of don't want to hire that. You'd rather just hire somebody who's who's confident, and they're going to show up and do what they. do do and you've already yeah. decided you like it or not or you wouldn't have hired them but um, yeah. I, I just have to say that over over the years the, the thing that has saved me is the confidence that has come from you know showing up and yeah. showing up and showing up no it's mm-hmm. the confidence that like Donald Trump had when he was first running you just knew like <laughs> this guy can do it you know oh. yes. said, <laughs> but you know what that, that's what I think compels did I go the wrong way did I go to the wrong place with this yes <laughs> kind of but it's the, the same principle the same principle applies I think <laughs> you know I think it's no, the same I know what thing you, I know what you mean I, I my one wish you know people I never buy when people say no regrets, you know, that kind of yeah. no regrets. And then Bullshit. you take a belt of scotch and I think, no, 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 I have regrets. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, if I could go back and have more confidence, it took me, yeah. it took that so long. Absolutely. I would do the same thing too. If I could just start, you know, didn't, didn't have to go through a lot of that self-doubt and the suffering over that and um, fearing the fear of being unmasked that, you know, uh, it's going to, you know, be revealed that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but that's, I, I would like to have erased that. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be you. That's that's the exactly. catch-22. That is the flip mm-hmm. side of the whole thing is that yeah. I also am a believer in the long arc. Long periods of insecurity are somehow necessary. I can't tell you why. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why, I know, but I'm pretty you. sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> And if if that insecurity doesn't destroy you and um, uh, ruin your expression of your art, then right. you know I, it's it's a really great thing because some people just uh, you know they crumble, they just crumble, and you know they're done by thirty five. Right. Well, we'll know next year when I turn 
35. I'll be watching. (laughs) I'm going to have so much work done next time you see me. I have a question, Jane. If I had a lot of work done and it wasn't good work, Mm -hmm. but during, and you saw me at a party and it was, I was like, oh shit, what did Conan do? Would you say something to me? I probably would with my eyes. I probably, (laughs) you would, you would know. I probably wouldn't say anything. And I'd try to say something back to you with my eyes, but I wouldn't be able to. Be able to move them. (laughs) They'd be just plastered. And I'd be trying to figure out, was, is it a lift? Is it just too much filler? Is it, is it um, too much Botox? Is it a combination? What was he thinking? (laughs) You know how when men, when men get, uh, a facial surgery sometimes it feminizes them and they yes. start looking like old ladies. Yes, yes, yeah. that's the kind I want to get. I want to <laughs> the feminizing one. I, I, I want to get something uh, done that just horrifies people, and then I want to just I want to see who do I know is going to come up to me and go, "What the fuck did you do?" And who's just going to go like, "Oh, this is really good carrot." You look cake. great. <laughs> well, you are. Um, you're one of those people where I I get up in the morning and I think, "What am I doing today?" And then I I look and it says, I'm going to talk to Jane Lynch. And I say, I have a good life. This is a really good life because you're hilarious and you have a very generous spirit and you're one of the funnier performers uh, that that roams this spinning blue globe we call Earth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just very happy to get to talk to you. Same here. And you're very kind. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. That's really and sweet. And I'm, I'm funny too. You are. You're oh very God. funny. You've I mean, been you funny said, from the start. Excuse me. You just said kind. And Sona, I had to do something. <laughs> that was so <laughs> sad the way you it did It wasn't that. sad. I'm very was, funny and you're very kind. Oh. <laughs> that's, what, that's what she did. You saw what Jane did. She said, Kona, I said, you're very funny. And she said, well, thank you. And you're very you're kind. Very kind. And, and I'm like, what am I, Mother Teresa over here? <laughs> oh, what's wrong with kind? Have you seen her improv? She was very kind and she bathed the the feet of the lepers, but her improv sucked. She was a terrible improviser. She would always, and she would always go blue, like, we're at a gynecologist. You're like, don't, Mother Teresa, don't do that. Anyway, thank you uh, very much, Jane. Uh, You're a terrific person, and I bless you. Thank you. Back at you. Takes one to know one. There you go. See? Yeah. See see? what you did? I return it, and it's true. Yeah. Well, we can't use any of this. This no. was unusable. You want to start now? <laughs> you know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. a little unusual, but I do have a favor that I would like to ask our listeners. And in order to ask this favor, I need to give you the setup. Just a couple days ago, my son and I decided to take a little road trip. You know, we're all cooped up. And uh, my son, strapping young lad in the midst of a massive growth spurt, he confides to me that he's hungry and he loves in and out and I think we all do. This is not a. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is not an ad. But who doesn't love their In and Out, right? Love it. Love you it. You can make it and, an ad. Yeah, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, it's delicious. I'd want to. I know so it's good. delicious, but I'm. It's so uh, good. You know, we're not getting paid to say that. So, so screw it. Maybe they'll um, send us food. Yeah. Well, please. Delicious. Uh, look, In and Out. If you're out there, I'm working. I'm just saying, and I'm not getting paid. My son wanted to stop at In and Out, and I'm like, a okay with me. So we want to eat it right then. So what I do is I drive over and I pull into a parking lot that's pretty much empty. And I want to stretch my legs. So I get out and I've ordered some food too. So I put my food on the roof because I want to stand. You know, I've got these long legs and they, they get cramped up. I hand him his burger in through the window and I put mine on the roof and I was DJing. I think I was introducing him to the group, The Cars, oh. My Best Friend's Girl, which is a great pop song, you know, fantastic guitar lick, uh, just great production. Mm-hmm. And I, I was going to play that for him next. So what I did is I got out my iPhone and then I set it down on the roof of the car next to my food. I think we all see where this is going. Eat the food in a reverie. It's in and out, not getting paid, but in a reverie. Yeah. Finish the food responsibly, leave the car and go and put it all in a, in a trash can that's right there. 
then jump back in the car and then get on the 101 freeway headed north. And I'm chugging down the freeway and life is good and I'm loving it. And then I'm like, it's time to hear that song. And I'm about to reach for my phone and play the song for my son when I hear, and I go, what the? And then I immediately know that I left my phone on the roof of the car, accelerated, and it stayed for a remarkably long time. But then just as I needed it, the phone knew it was time to go and went tumbling off into the pitch black night. It's now like nine o'clock at night and went tumbling onto the 101 freeway. And... I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe what I just did. And I tell my son, and he loves to laugh at me. Mm-hmm. And um, so he really enjoyed, you know, you're an idiot. You're, you know, he calls me a boomer, even though technically I don't think I'm a boomer, but he's like, you're a boomer. You, aha, stupid. Wish I had a different father. Um, oh, wow. Mom's, mom's great. You suck. All that kind of, <laughs> those fun riffs. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I'll never visit you when you're old. All that kind of fun stuff that kids say to their father. <laughs> so specific. Yeah. Uh, you're my least favorite late night host. Uh, <laughs> your, your, your podcast is a waste of time. Uh, I like Matt, I like Sona, but what do you offer? You know, all the fun stuff kids throw out. But then he's like using find my iPhone. He's like, I can see your phone. So for a second, we turn around and we go back on the highway to even try and find it. Oh. And then I'm realizing like, I sort of start to think about pulling over on the shoulder of the road. Cars are going by at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's like a five lane stretch of the 101. And I'm thinking I'm going to run out into the night Dodging traffic, looking for a... F- no, I'm not going to do that. This is dangerous. It would have been a good story. Yes. Conan O'Brien been- gets hit by a car on the 101 looking for his phone. <laughs> yes. Last words, eat it in and out. Delicious. <laughs> Worth dying for. So anyway, here's the point. I have one of those cases where you can put... It's so it's your some of your vital stuff. Yeah, like that. Yes, Yes. holding it up. I have one just like that. I have that case, just like the one Gorley just held up. Which I found this on the one hundred and one the other day. Ah, (laughs) nice. It's got a French fry in it from In and Out. Not an ad. Not an ad. You put the French fry in your wallet. I always keep one fry. (laughs) Always keep one fry. So that That's later sorry. on, if yeah, later on, if you're questioned, by, if you're later on questioned by the police and they say, "Where were you?" you can say, "I have a fry to prove that I was at In and Out." Um, so I'm looking at my wallet and I'm realizing, oh, I have my cash card and my credit card. Okay, those can be canceled. Damn it, my license, yeah, my driver's license is in there, and it's lying out there in the night in a phone case on the 101 freeway. And here, Matt, is where I get to the crucial part of the story. Okay. My request to the listeners out there. Okay. It's possible that one of you will be roaming the 101 freeway, maybe that grass strip that runs along the side. Maybe you're just roaming the center because that's what you do. There are people (laughs) that just like to roam highways. There might be a super fan that's like, there might be someone who just doesn't even care that much about me, but they find my dead iPhone. It's dead. Uh, It's been wiped automatically. But they find my license. And here's my fear. As you know, I love murder documentaries. Oh, yeah. And I am obsessed with murder. My big fear is that someone's going to plant my license at a murder scene. Oh. Oh, yeah. You're fucked. My fear 
is that some crime, it doesn't even have to be a murder, but my mind always goes to murder. There'll Uh be some terrible crime. And at the site, they'll find my ID and Uh I will be arrested. So I want to get the word out now that this is my story. That's why my license is out there somewhere along the 101 freeway. Now, this is highly suspicious. I kind of think you've already committed a crime and you're just laying an alibi. Yes. I also think it's weird that the one thing you're afraid of by losing your license isn't that someone will steal your identity. Who's going to steal Conan O'Brien's identity? I don't identity? know, but you What? Tilda Swinton. What? <laughs> Old Korean woman is going to walk into a store and put down and say, hi, I'm Conan O'Brien. That's not going to work. You know, no one's going to do that. But what they could do is commit a murder. Yeah. Drop the license there. People Mm. love it when a celebrity gets arrested for murder. It's big news. And I think celebrities are more vulnerable than anybody to being accused of murder Hmm. because the paps love it. So I'm putting it out there <laughs> that if that ID is found at a murder scene, that's my story. Now, what do you say, Matt? You say that you think that I committed yeah, the murder I already and that I'm trying to this- retrofit an alibi. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. This is terrible. What a terrible way to do it. Yeah. Why'd you have to this bring was my in plan. This is it. how bad a murderer I am. Mm-hmm. I committed a murder along the 101 freeway in some grassy knoll on the 101 freeway. Then- like a villain in a superhero comic, I left a calling card, which is my, which is my driver's license. <laughs> then I knew that I could get on the podcast and plant the idea that I lost it because I left it on the roof of my car. Yeah. Your son will have to be deposed. I know. Was Beckett even there? Do I even have a son? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, what am I making up? And guess what? I don't particularly like In-N-Out. Oh, oh no. and I'm, yeah, and I'm I'm vegan. Uh, I only go. None of this holds up. I don't own a car. I don't drive myself. I am driven by my uh, by my chauffeur. And you you don't have a podcast. We just tell you you do. This thing doesn't go out. This thing doesn't even go anywhere. No. So the whole thing is a sad ruse. But anyway, I'm just putting it out there that somewhere along the 101 freeway, probably nestled under a dead raccoon, <laughs> is uh, is my ID, my And if anybody license. finds it, should they just send it to where? Contact us. What should I we do? Should we, should we offer a reward? If you find a license, you can't you just dump it in a mailbox and it'll get to where it needs to be? That's the way it works. If you well, like for anyone it, else? Yeah. It, oh, really? If, if you ever find a license, just pop it in the mailbox I and it'll can get I, Can I ask a question that's going to make me sound self-involved and vain? But maybe that's true- for you, okay. Sona, or for you, Matt. Yeah. Okay. But if someone finds Conan O'Brien's ID, oh isn't that going on eBay and then $100,000 later, you know? You think Hello? your license is worth $100,000? Well, especially if it's evidence at a murder, yes. <laughs> they put the evidence on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I looked on eBay. I'm not seeing anything. Okay. This is crazy because this is a third story of this vein because you lost your wallet or or phone that way, Sona, and you lost either a phone or a wallet before we've talked on. Oh, that's right. You left one on the roof of your car, didn't you? I did. I did the same thing. So you and I are basically the same. (laughs) I'm scared. I don't know. I don't want to say you were mean to me about it, but you did make fun of me for it. That's right. For leaving my wallet on top of my car and then driving off, you made fun of me for it. It doesn't yeah. sound like me. 
doesn't sound like something I would do. I'm a compassionate person. I worry, Sona, because you're soon going to have twins. Yeah. You know? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What if you're like, I'll just put these twins on the roof yeah. while I eat this burrito. Time to go. Well, I mean, babies are resilient from what I've heard. <laughs> so oh, do a little tuck and roll. <laughs> I love a tuck and roll too. Twins tucking and rolling in baby seats <laughs> and being perfectly fine, and they 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 land in the center stri- in the uh, on the side strip, and they look over and they pick up a, a wallet. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.